Welcome to the Bridge Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message from our senior pastor, Neil Haney. To access other resources or to find out more information about our church, visit thebridgespringfield.com or find us on social media at The Bridge Springfield. Well, the title of this morning, uh, the title of this message this morning is But God. And it comes from uh, right in the middle of the text that I'm going to be reading. But I want to say something really clearly to everyone who's listening. You are either dead or alive this morning. Now, I'm not talking to people that are in the grave or who've been cremated. I'm not, I'm not talking to that group because they can't hear me. But you might be able to hear me. You might be able to, you might be living very, very well, at least you think. But according to what I'm about to read in Ephesians 2, you're dead because you're spiritually dead. You have not been quickened to life yet. You have not become a part of the living body of Christ. You're alive in your soul, your mind, your will, and emotion. You have um, bodily function. You can walk. You can talk. You can communicate. You can exercise. And you can do a lot of good and bad things. But you are dead in the spirit if you have not come to Christ if you have not come into a relationship with him and not become a part of the body of Christ, the church. Or you're alive, and yet you don't realize how alive you really are. There, there, I mean, there are so many Christians. I would say, unfortunately, in the West, and when I say the West, I'm talking about Western Europe, United States, um, who don't understand fully their life in Christ, what has been done not only for them, but to them and with them. <laughs> and, and this morning, I, I want to kind of clear that up as we look at Ephesians 2. And, uh, and, and so I'm just going to read the text very slowly. And uh, I want you guys to just, you know, like, like, like really concentrate on the words. They're going to be on the screen I'm going to read verses 1 through 13. I'm going to, this is basically the first half of, of uh, Ephesians 2. And please just pay attention to the words. And let this sink into your heart deeply because this is, this is powerful stuff. And it has the power of the truth. Jesus says that you will, if you're my disciple, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It will make you free. I want you to be free this morning. And so let's, let's look at this together. This is in the ESV. It's a really good translation. And, and I just want to, uh, in, in preface, I want to say you're, you're either dead in your trespasses and sins or you're alive in Christ. But I really want you to, if you're dead in your trespasses and sins, come into life. This morning I'm inviting you into life in Christ. If you are already in Christ, I want you to understand how really alive you are and where you are and who whose you are and who you are. And so it's all right here in this passage. Let's just read this. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the devil, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all lived in the passions of our flesh, 
carrying out the desires of the body, and those are evil desires, and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of humankind. Here it is. <laughs> I wish I had a drum roll. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly realms or heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that, (laughs) so that in the ages to come or the coming ages, he, God, might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. (laughs) Anybody getting excited? Man, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are God's workmanship, his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Man, wow. I feel like praying all over again. (laughs) This is so good. This is so good. You see, outside of Christ, we had three problems. First of all, we were dead in our sins. We were slaves to the world, the flesh, and the devil. And we were condemned because of our oneness with sin. I want to to explain something here. It it talks about, you know, God's wrath and mentions it a number of places in in, uh, the New Testament, it mentions it in, in Ephesians or in uh, Romans five. It mentions it here. I I know that there have been famous sermons about the wrath of God, and you know, uh, w- one marked sermon was "Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God." Uh, you know, I, I know that that sermon was was really powerful, and it it actually brought people to repentance. But I want to say it was in spite of that sermon and not because of it, honestly. Because God, our God is not an angry God. And his, his wrath is not because he's angry with sinners. He's angry with sin because sin is a spiritual cancer growing in his universe. Do you understand that? He doesn't like evil. He doesn't like evil because God is good. The psalmist says, taste and see that the Lord is good. I was with a a brother this past week. Um, We were in the car together for several hours, and and he said to me, you know, Neil, he said, I know that, you know, in 1 John it says God is love. And he said, I I believe that that, of course, is a major attribute of God. I mean, God is love. It also says God is holy. That's, those are strong, strong phrases. But he said, I believe 
that at the very heart of God is his goodness. Like that's what he, he's good, he's just good. And there's a couple of things about goodness that you need to know. Goodness wants what's good for everyone around him. Like, like God's heart is good. To be holy is the same thing, basically. It means that there's nothing in God that's evil. There's nothing in, in God that loves sin, that is prone to sin. There is, God will never sin against you because he's holy. But holiness, it, it kind of hints towards, you know, that, that, that it's a, a, a better than thou, like, like holier than thou. Like holy, sometimes the word holy it's, it's kind of picked up some bad trappings through the, through the centuries, and it becomes a, kind of a condescending word. There's nothing condescending in God's holiness. It simply means that he cannot be evil. He cannot be anything but loving and good and kind towards us. And, and this scripture is going to say that. But unfortunately... Human nature, or human nature in, in human, the human race fell into disrepair, fell into sin and, and depravity, and, and we were, the human race was, has become a wreck in, in just descending into sin and depravity. Still, there's still parts of us that reflect the image of God. People, mothers who don't know Christ are often still really good to their children, you know. Fathers who don't know Christ are often good husbands and good, good providers and so forth. It doesn't mean that we're just, you know, evil to the core. But we're not alive. And, and we don't have the life of Christ in us. And, and God sees that. He sees us enslaved to sin. He sees, sees us being swept down the... The, the river of the, of the current of the world. He sees us bound in our sins. He sees us, um, and, and so the, the problem is that, that we're either in sin or in Christ. And God in his goodness and God in his holiness is going to destroy sin and evil. You understand that, right? There's going to come a point where God says that's enough. Evil, Satan, everything that's not of me, like a fire. This is not a fire and brimstone message, I promise. I'm not, I'm not going back to what I was talking about earlier. But, but there will come a point where sin is going to be completely obliterated. And if we're in sin, then we're unfortunately, and we've rejected Christ, and we've rejected God, and we've rejected his grace, and all that he has for us, we will be, it's like, it's like when a surgeon finds out, an oncologist finds out you have cancer, they're going to do everything they can to destroy that cancer in you. To the point of cutting you, of, of radiation and chemotherapy, just, you know, there's going to be a lot of pain involved and all this stuff because they hate cancer. Cancer surgeons hate cancer. God hates sin. Not sinners, but sin. And he will ultimately destroy sin. So we're either in Christ or in sin, and that's our choice, unfortunately. I mean, it, you know, fortunately, I mean, God gave us the choice. We can choose him or reject him. That's what happened with Adam and Eve. And as every one of us have the choice of God or not God. But we have a good God. And so, so here's the thing. 
God wants to God wants to bring us to himself and fill us with life and give us everything that's good about him. And so uh, if you're outside of Christ, you need to know that you don't have to be, that God is not angry with you. God is a God of mercy. He's good. And, and out of his goodness flows his love and his grace. So we were dead in our trans, transgressions and our sins. But God, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trans, trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ. He put us into Christ. Let me just say it this way. God's goodness is like the sun. And his love and his, his grace are like the rays of the sun that, that reach us and bless us. And that's what God wants to do. He is not an angry God. He hates sin, but he loves us. And if you're not in Christ, he just wants to know that he loves you. He is not frowning at you. He is not standing there with his arms folded, tapping his foot, saying, when are you going to come to me so I can straighten you out? No, he's, he's, the, he's, in, he's the, the, the God of the, fa- the, the, the Father in John 15 who's looking down the road day and night watching for you to come home so he can run and, and embrace you and love you and, and put on the, the robe and the ring and the sandals and make you a son. And throw a party for you <laughs> that you've come home. Because he said, that's, this son of mine was dead and now he's alive. He was lost, but now he's found. That's the welcome. Our God, as we look into his face, he's a God with a smile, never a frown. And if you, as an unbeliever or as a believer, see God frowning at you, you're seeing the wrong face. You're seeing a caricature. You're seeing... You're seeing the enemy blocking view of our God who is good, who is loving, who is kind. So God the Father in the richness of his mercy put us in Christ. He put us in Christ. You know, being put in Christ is the only way that we receive life. We're dead until we're in Christ. We, we, we get put in Christ and we receive his spirit. And then we come alive. God put us in Christ. And it says in, in 1 Corinthians uh, 1.30, we've quoted this a lot. But God put us in Christ... And made Christ our wisdom from God, our holiness, righteousness, and redemption. And I want to say this. <laughs> we are saved by grace. But grace is not a transaction. Grace is not a, a, some kind of a, 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 a thing that's put on us. Grace is the Lord Jesus Christ. 
He is grace. <laughs> when you receive grace, you receive Christ. You see, God put all our sin on him. I mean, to read, read something. You know, it, it's bad enough that we were <laughs> dead in our sins, that we were uh, enslaved to the world and our flesh and the devil, and that we were under condemnation. But listen to what it says about, in verses 11 through 13, about us non-Jews. Listen to this. Let's go ahead and put that up. Verse 11. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles, and that's pretty much the whole bunch of us right here, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, the Jews, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember, circumcision was a... a, a it, it's what separated the Jews from the Gentiles. It's something that God did in the flesh so that the Jews would remember that they belonged to God and they were God's people. But remember that at one time you were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. You had nothing to do with God's people. You were not God's people. Strangers to the covenant, covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. That's, how we, that's who we were. We, we, not only did, were we dead and all that stuff, we weren't even close to being God's people. I love this next, next scripture in verse 13. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. It cost God dearly to sacrifice his son so that we could come alive, so that we could, we could come out of slavery, so that we could come out from the, under that wrath that, that's going to be leveled against sin, the cancer of sin. But also, it cost him dearly to bring the Gentiles into the fold, into the family, into the promises, into the covenant. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, has brought us into Christ. It is by grace, it is by Christ you have been saved. It is by what he's done for you, not what you've done. And guys, we're brought into that through grace, through, through, through faith, and we stay there the same way. We're brought into Christ because of what he's done and our faith in that, and we remain there the same way. So many Christians start out in faith, receiving the free gift of grace, and then somewhere along the way, they get religious. <laughs> they get infected with religion, and they start earning their keep, and I am the chief of sinners in that. Many of you know, most of you know, I had a nervous breakdown in 2012 for that very reason. I couldn't handle the stress and the strain of trying to be good enough, of trying to keep my... my um, acceptance before God, trying to do enough and, and pray enough and read enough and say enough and preach enough and, and whatever enough. I just never was enough. And you know what? God never intended for me to be enough because Christ is enough, and I'm in Christ. That's grace. And the only way we get to grace is by faith. So if you're outside of the church, if you're outside of a relationship with Christ, come on in. The water's, the water's good. God is good. 
He loves you. He's smiling at you and looking for you even now. But if you are in the church, stop straining and striving, okay? I want to go back to, to what it says here. Uh, in, in, let me find, if I can find my scripture, I've lost. Oh, here we are. I want to go back to verse 4. I just want to say this again. What, what a beautiful passage. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, you see, he didn't wait for us to do something. He did it all because of his great love. Because, you know, mercy, mercy is just love in the face of the unworthy. Mercy is love in the face, and God's goodness and in, in his, his love in the face of the undeserving, of the sinful. Mercy is the love in the face of the prodigal coming home half naked with pig slop on him, having squandered his father's wealth. It's the, it's, it's the woman caught in adultery that's dragged before Jesus to be stoned to death because she had committed adultery. It's, it, mercy is Jesus calling Matthew the tax collector of all people, a traitor to the, to the people of God, a pawn of, of Rome, cheating the people of God out of their money, taking his part off the top, despicable, deplorable, that's mercy. Mercy is, is love in the face of the undeserving, and that's every single one of us, saved or not saved. <laughs> God loves you. God's for you. God's heart is that you come to him, and if you've come to him, God's heart is just to give himself to you completely in every way. I want to look at the verses just preceding um, the, the text for this morning, and, and just just to show you something. Let's look at Ephesians one nineteen through twenty three, and I'm gonna I'm just gonna I'm gonna run through this, but I want to point out something. And I put in a towel. Go ahead and put that up if you could. It's Ephesians uh, one nineteen through twenty three. I pray that you may know, and and that's italicized because that's kind of earlier. But it, I, I need to connect it here. I pray that you may know God's incomparable. Listen to how Paul just stacks up words. God's incomparably great power for us who believe. That's a whole sermon in itself. I can't go there right now. But that's why we can step across the chicken, chicken line and expect God to show up and, and work through us. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand at his right hand, God's right hand, in the heavenly realm. So, so God has raised in his power, raised Jesus from the dead, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under Christ's feet and appointed him to be head over everything, listen to this, for the church, for us. He did all of this for us. That's just mind-blowing. The church, which is his body. He's the head. We're the body. You can't have a head and a body separated and have life. The body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. We're the fullness of Christ who fills everything in any, every way because he's our head and we're his body. 
Now I want to show you something. So but back to verse 5. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. Verse 6, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Guys, we're already there. We're the body. He's the head. You can't have the head sitting at the right hand of the Father and not have the body there too. Does that make sense? Why is that important? Like right now, do you feel like you're seated at the right hand of the Father? I don't, honestly. I feel a little more like it this morning when I'm preaching. I have to be honest. This, this is awesome to be able to share this stuff and be under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I'm actually a little higher than you right now. About two feet. But seriously, guys, we're the church. We're the body of Christ. You have more, we have more power than we realize. We have more authority than we realize. You know what, my, this is completely off my notes. So, you know, it gets a little scary when Neil wanders off his, his you know, the, the script. But I'm just going to say this. The time is coming when the body of Christ is going to realize who they are and what they have and what they carry and the power and the authority that we have and things are going to start changing. I mentioned raising the dead a few weeks ago and I lost a couple of people. I mean, I did. I, I, there's, there's some people that left our church over that very, very, very phrase. We're going to start seeing the dead raised. A guy named Smith Wigglesworth was a plumber in England. He raised 19 people from the dead. He, couldn't, he could hardly talk. He didn't know the king's English, and yet he was a plumber. And yet he raised 19 people from the dead. God wants to do that multiple times, thousands, millions of times. The time is coming when the church is going to start functioning like the body of Christ. Okay? It's coming, folks. It's coming. But I love what he says here. He did all this, verse 7, so that, <laughs> so that in the coming ages he might show how angry he was about sin, how furious he was with sinners, how, how, how um, great of a judge he was to, to, to condemn all the lousy sinners in the world. Is that what it says? No, we've got a God who, I'm telling you, he is not a sin-conscious, focused God. He is an us-focused God because he wants his church to be filled with himself and to be expression of himself as the, the body of Christ under the head of Christ. He wants us to be all that we're supposed to be and we're created to be. So that in the ages to come, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace. The immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Because I don't even know what to say about that. I don't think I can add a thing to that. That's one of those drop the mic moments, right? Anything I say from this point forward is going to be a distraction from that. So I'm going to say it again. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ. God is good. God is love. 
God is merciful, God is kind, and it is immeasurable. You should not be afraid of a God like that. When it says fear, it means reverence. So don't read fear the Lord and, 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 and think that you've got to be like, oh, you know, that's not what it's talking about. We need to have reverence towards the Lord, just like I have reverence towards my 89-year-old father. I revere him. He couldn't hurt a fly, but I still revere him as my dad because he's my father. He's my dad. God, we should revere him, but we don't need to fear him. Perfect love, which is God, casts out fear. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is the gift, the gift, the gift of God. Jesus is the gift of God to us. He gave him to us who would absorb all of our sin, all of our shame, all of our wrongness, and put it on the cross and kill it there so that we could be free, so that we could be alive. He crucified us with himself, and we didn't have to experience the pain of it. He buried us with our sin in the grave, and then he raised us to live a new life in himself, in his spirit. That's the church, the body of Christ, seated at the right hand of the Father. For we are his workmanship. God has created this beautiful thing called the church out of the wrongness and brokenness of humanity. And he has brought us to life again. He has cleansed us in Christ. And he has seated us at his right hand. Created us in Christ Jesus for good works. Guys, anything that we do from here on, when we love people, when we step across the chicken line to pray for somebody, when we lead someone to Christ, when we... Just this week, I heard from Penny that she and Amanda got to lead someone to Christ. I just rejoice over that. When we do those things, we're just living the life now that God intended us to live in Christ Jesus because we're alive. We're, he's our head. We're the body. We're his hands, his feet, his mouth. We're, we're the ones who get to, in, in our power and authority, be out there and, and, and moving among the rest of humanity to bless them. Dennis mentioned it, blessed to be a blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing. That we should walk in them. Let's, let's walk in who we are, folks. Let's just walk in who we are. We have the mind of Christ. We have the heart of Christ. We have the hands of Christ, the feet of Christ. And we can be a blessing to so many people. Aren't you thankful that God stepped in in the face of all of our wrongness and all of our separation, but God. But God stepped in. He gave us Christ. And he's just showered us with his mercy and love and grace and kindness. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for what you've done for us in Christ. God, this was your idea. Jesus didn't die to save us from you. You sent Christ to save us from ourselves, to save us from that cancer of sin. And you've done it. You've done it. And in the ages to come, we will worship you because of your, your mercy, your love, your grace, and your kindness towards us. And you're going to put us on display for the whole, for the angels and the universe to see. You love us that much. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you received a fresh revelation of the gospel of grace and that you experience the goodness of God in your everyday life. For more content like this or to stream our services live, visit thebridgespringfield.com. Have an awesome week.